Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Network. I am your host, Mike Drysdale, and today I am joined by a truly a wonderful founder who I've met before once. We had an amazing conversation. I'm very much looking forward to the conversation that we're going to have today. Her name is Bibi. Uh, she studied international development and worked for non-for-profits, uh, most notably just before coming to Australia. She was working in Cambodia. She's extremely passionate about responsible travel. She's originally from the Netherlands. And BB, I, I didn't take a stab at it because I worried that I'd get it wrong. How do you pronounce your last name? Yelema. Yelema. See, I was going to say J because it's... But yeah. I say Jelema now. It's easier. Jelly? Yeah. Jella, Jelly? Jelly. Yeah, you can yeah. say Jelly. Jelly? Yeah. yeah, I like that. <laughs> That's cute. That's really cute. <laughs> uh, when she first moved to Australia, she was living in Melbourne and she recently moved to Perth. She is in the Plus 8 Accelerator program with Space Cubed. Uh, it's been a wild journey to get where they are now, but they're currently running a business called Air Guides, which aims to connect uh, travel influences with travelers to give them greater, more uh, all-encompassing experiences and well-thought-out guides. Uh, and, but before that, they'd already built a rough MVP, had partnered with more than 400 hostels and had two to 3,000 experiences on a platform for their prior business before they pivoted uh, cue the car screeching brakes turning handbrake turn sound effect here uh, and headed in the direction they're going now this is one of the most fascinating periods I think in startup uh, is when you kind of hit that first big pivot so I'm really really excited to talk about that and much more today BB welcome to the show thanks for having me Thanks, thanks for being here, Jelly. <laughs> um, I am I'm so interested in talking more about this, but uh, I, I guess if you could just uh, expand a little bit on what I've talked about there in terms of how we got to where we are now. Yes, yes, it's definitely been a journey. Uh, so I guess we've been on the so the previous name for the startup was Hopola. So we've been with Hopola for coming close to three years. So it's definitely mm. been a long journey and. Um, I guess our passion is unique experiences and getting um, people access to those unique experiences that we find in the travel world. Word of mouth is still such a powerful driver to find those experiences, mm. but it's just hard to find it online. Um, so we sort of hit the road doing lots of research and noticed this opportunity working together with hostels. Mm -hmm. So um, we thought the hostels, that sort of the, they're meeting spots for travelers. Mm -hmm. They literally meet their fellow travelers there, um, they sleep there, and they often find the experiences there as well. Mm -hmm. So we thought, how about we work together with hostels to uh, create a new sort of booking engine, not just for accommodation, but also find those experiences, those local experiences that the hostels know so well, and they know their local community so well. Mm. So that's, yeah, that was, that actually went really well. So yeah. we partnered with more than 400 hostels around the world, mainly in Asia and South America. We did really well and collectively they um, gave us 3,000 experiences uh, on our platform. So that's how we got into the Plus 8 Accelerator. Mm. Super lucky to, to get in there. It's an amazing program. We still have two months to go with Miridi Plus 8. Um, but then, yeah, the pivot. Uh, why the pivot happened? Yeah, I guess what spurred it on? So it all went quite well, uh, but we were still pre-revenue. So I guess we were at the stage where we had to book 
the booking engine. Sorry, that, that's okay. I keep moving a lot. <laughs> I um, keep giving her a signal <laughs> to like bring bring the mic closer to the mouth. <laughs> it's okay. I'm a bit fidgety. Yeah. Um, so the booking engine. Yep. Yeah, the booking engine. So that was going to be a big process and a big decision for us, yeah. money-wise, to implement that. So I guess we were facing a few difficulties. Um, one, the competitors. So our competitors were Booking.com and Hostel World. So they control a huge portion of that market. So the competition was fierce. Yeah. Um, another factor is that um, for the booking engine to run properly, we, the marketing cost would have been massive. Mm. Uh, and on top of that, the margins are quite low for um, that we could make revenue with. Right. So it was that and it was our trip to San Francisco actually that also uh, we spoke to a lot of interesting people there. Uh, the most, um, I guess, the most useful conversation, or one of the most useful conversations for us was we talked with the CFO of Hotel Tonight, mm. and he gave, gave us some brilliant ex- advice. Like, he just knows finance models so well. And mm-hmm. he was like, for this to work, this is sort of the numbers that you need to be thinking of to make it work. Right. So that was sort of incentive for us to think, okay, let's put everything on the table and have a real good think about this because our runway you know it's until the end of the year mm-hmm. if we're going to do this then we're betting everything on the booking engine is there maybe another way that we can bring people to those unique experiences yeah so then we started interviewing again <laughs> <laughs> so we love our research <laughs> yeah uh, so what has that process been like because I, I think that even that is uh, a little bit in the the fog of war to most early stage or first-time entrepreneurs uh, yep. they feel uh, a certain amount of terror at the idea of speaking to the market um, yeah. how, how did you get in touch with the customers that you interviewed and how yep. many did you talk to um, so we talked to a lot of people in around Perth because obviously it's easier to find people in the yep. physical location Local, you're sure. in uh, we talked to mostly students and young professionals mm-hmm. because we're targeting more the millennial traveler. Yep. Um, not meaning we're excluding Generation X is also a really interesting <laughs> market for us, but we have to focus, right? Focus is our is our thing. Or we if have you're to. a Generation X, don't feel insulted. Still consider using air guns in the future. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Go on. <laughs> so uh, we uh, interviewed about um, 30 students and young professionals here in Perth. Okay. And then we reached out to a lot of um, like internet forums and Facebook groups. Uh-huh. And so we spoke to a lot of people online as well. Uh, so, we, for example, we would go to... Um, so we would visit uh, the Contiki Facebook group, for example, and uh, go into the review sections and especially the negative ones, Mm. we would literally contact those people and ask why did you not like the tour? And um, would you be willing to do like Skype and have a quick chat to us and and then see why they were not happy about their experience and what they would like to see differently, how they would like to do their next trip. So that was actually sort of a really good way to find people that were already not happy with the current solutions. Whose idea Um, was that? That's... Uh, that was probably Mads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good. Yeah, it was clever. Yeah, that's just that's just clever. The neg- the negative feedback, uh, obviously, on a competitor, it's like, well, why don't they like? It, it kind of goes back to something that we talked about very briefly last week, which was <coughs> the law of the opposite, um, and it was the idea that 
Coke was the dominant color brand in all of cola uh, because it was the first one ever. Yep. And Pepsi took its strength and turned it into a weakness by saying, uh, Coke's for old people, Pepsi's for young mm, people. Yeah. So it decided to market itself as the opposite. Yep. And so you've gone and take the incumbent superpower, Contiki, yep. uh, which is a little bit trashy, a little bit meh. Doesn't change. It's not very easy to change their tours, for example. So yeah. that's where we have an advantage. Okay, cool. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's very interesting to talk to people that have done that experience before, and even people that had a positive experience wouldn't do it again. So yeah. that's something that we discovered. So, for example, in 2016, 34% of millennials went to a travel agent. So mm. that's more than any other age group. And we were like, why? Really, that was shocking. <laughs> we were like, why are these cool young people going to a travel agent? That's yeah. lame. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but we discovered why. It's just because of information overload and also yeah. a bit of biased content. So they literally just don't know where to start looking for travel information anymore because of it's not a problem that there's nothing out there. It's a problem that there's so much out there. And the information that is out there, they don't know if they can trust it. Because uh -huh. let's say TripAdvisor review, you don't know the person who's behind that review. Yeah, okay. Uh, so that was a really interesting one. Mm. So the personal recommendations, but the person who's behind that recommendation, that's sort of key for millennials. Yeah. To, um, that personal aspect. Trust. Trust, yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's that idea that people don't trust brands, people trust people. People trust people. Right. Yeah, and our generation, and much more, is yeah. more aware of. And real people as well, because you, yeah. as you say, if you go on TripAdvisor, you don't know, like it could be the CFO yep. of the company that's trying to, you know, that's exactly on there, like pumping their own tires, so yeah. to speak. Uh, or the biased content, like travel bloggers now, if they they have to say on Instagram now that they do, um, they get uh, money for an ad. Yep. Yeah, it's sponsored content. Uh, so, yeah, it's all that transparency and trust. Mm. Yeah. And so uh, where has that led you in terms of marketing to millennials? Yep. Um, so then we started thinking, who would they trust? Um, so did a lot of like market research and interviews again, and saw that they trust their peers. So mm -hmm. they would go on Facebook, for example, and ask, does anybody have any recommendations in Madrid? I'm going to Madrid for for a week, mm. uh, but you don't have friends everywhere in the world, right? So right. who um, who else would they trust? Um, and then we started thinking about travel influencers. They have very limited ways of making money. So for example, um, they, ha they sell their presets on Instagram. So that's literally like their Instagram filters. That's mm. how a lot of them make some money. Yeah. Um, but with good quality content and their personal recommendations, they're very limited to their own blog or their own channels. Right. So yet they are like true destination experts and they have such amazing knowledge and can lead to such amazing, unique experiences. So how about we get them as their us like online travel guides almost mm -hmm. and link them up to, to people. And then it's not like where, you know, back in the day you would go with your Lonely Planet guide and that was enough. You don't know what's behind that information. You don't know who wrote it. And it's sort of already not up to date anymore because it was written back in it. It was written in the past. So, then we thought we can sort of match travel influencers with people who need travel advice mm. based on um, like interest and what sort of travel style 
that person has and then make it really personal uh, and then get them access to really amazing people that can help them plan a trip that they normally would feel like they had no access to. Yeah, okay. Wow, that's fascinating. Um, it seems like a relatively involved uh, process for what I can only assume is quite a busy travel influencer. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Talk me through true. that. So it's our mission now to prove to those travel influencers that we can give them passive income. So mm-hmm. let's say they write um, a trip guide and they can keep earning from the trip guide. And then in the future, if we prove to them we can uh, make you money, we hope that they can function as true travel agents and that we can keep giving them new ways of earning money and that we can almost become their soul. Um, they can keep traveling because of our guides. Yeah, well, <laughs> I like that. And I like what you say there because um, you said that they can essentially become uh, travel agents themselves. Yep. Uh, and that is fascinating because it kind of brings up the the possible conversation of saying that this is uh, the Airbnb or the Uber or the <laughs> XYZ of successful startup that takes the idea of an old industry and moves it into the share economy. Yeah, and exactly. So yeah, That's kind that's of what it. this is. Yeah, we like to see ourselves as the, the lonely planet for the millennial traveler <laughs> yep. and then bring it to the digital age. Mm. I love yeah. that. And so as, as well, something I wanted to touch on before I forget, uh, you mentioned your trip to Silicon Valley, which yes. seems like, wow, was a oh. ultimate crazy, crazy trip. You had 20 to crazy. 40 meetings in Silicon Valley, right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, you talked about the one that you had with the, the CFO of Lonely, uh, not Hotel, Lonely Tonight. Hotel Tonight, yeah. uh, which is basically last minute hotel bookings that you can yep. get at discounts and things like that yep. by uh, basically unused rooms on the, on the day. Yep. I've heard it advertised on a number of podcasts before. Uh, and he talked about basically reverse engineering of like, if you want this to happen, here's the numbers that you have to hit. Yeah. What is the, like, how valuable was that kind of um, methodology of thinking? Have you been able to employ it with this model now that you're doing here or? Yeah. Oh, it was invaluable. And he was just one of the many examples that we had in in Mm. San Francisco of, like, it was the most insane networking I've ever experienced. Mm. It was just unbelievable how the most busy people have like half an hour, give you half an hour of their time to do mm. coffee with you and give you real amazing feedback um, and really listen to you as well. Mm. That was, I think, the most amazing thing about San Francisco was how people really listen to your idea mm-hmm. because I guess the, the notion there is that everybody could become the next unicorn, literally everybody. So if they, especially the investors, if they miss listening good to mm. people they might miss out on that opportunity to uh to invest in that mm. so that was really cool really cool it's amazing talking to, uh, or listening to to people like chris sarka when they go on to podcasts and they talk about uh the things that they've missed on um he talks about airbnb as one of those classic ones when they were coming out of y combinator right at the beginning yeah. you could have gotten in so early and made so much money off it and he said to them listen you guys need to stop this thing you're yeah. gonna you're gonna kill someone you're gonna get somebody murdered and the blood is gonna be on your hands that's yeah. what he said oh. to the founders of airbnb and they're like well you respect we're just gonna keep on going and now that's a billion dollar business that he has no stake in uh likewise with dropbox he said oh look i used to work at google 
Uh, they're doing this thing called G drive right now. It's going to blow you out of the water. You don't have a chance. So I'd pivot, try something different. Mm. And then now Dropbox is a billion dollar company. He has no part in, but at the same time he got on Twitter, he got on Uber, he got on a bunch of others and, and he's probably going to have the most successful um, fund in history uh, when it closes. But for you, in terms of the feedback that you were getting from uh, the, the the people that you spoke to, yep. were there people just going, this is a waste of time, get out now? Um, it was interesting. So this was with the previous model, the hostel supply yeah. side of things. And um, we... Um, it's funny now with the new model that we get really different reactions because now we're more in the sort of inspiration business of travels it's just sort of different side of the transaction um so in san francisco we were actually we were warned previously like okay people can walk out of on you and it's going to be rough you have to walk you know 10 times faster than you usually do to keep up with people mm-hmm. and that was definitely true the last one you definitely had to you know go super fast but people were really lovely and really helpful mm-hmm. and um, took us really seriously and our ideas if they just helped us they, nobody said just stop it just get out everybody just admires that you're trying to do something yeah yeah so around about like what is the the basically uh What's the breakdown in terms of percentage of if if your meetings are half hour meeting? How long are you talking for? How long are they talking for mostly? Ooh, I would say, look, if you're talking even for fifty percent, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you want them to talk as much as possible, as you can. But they also like to talk a lot. Mm-hmm. Americans do, so you have to make sure that you you guide them. So. Yeah. It's a trick to let them answer your questions, mm. but make sure that they don't get off track. So what were some of the most important questions that you were asking at the time? Um, I think it was around, for example, how to get investment ready, um, sort of what sort of milestones you need to show people, mm-hmm. how can you keep them up to date in, in your journey and keep them sort of warm. Mm-hmm. That was really interesting. Um, also, um, I think just to have a real simple business model like and just a problem statement if you have trouble explaining what you're trying to do then it might not be such a good idea yeah so keep it simple and the biggest one that i got out of san francisco was focus Mm -hmm. literally in every aspect of the business you need to get that focus right so who's your target audience what's your target market if you're going to say the world if you're going to say, <laughs> I-, I want travel guides from the whole world and all travelers from, you know, anywhere, mm-hmm. you don't have your focus right. Yeah. 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 I like that. Um, and the, and so um, what are some of the milestones that off the back of that and then also the focuses that you've chosen for air guides and yeah. why did you choose them? Why, why specifically? Um, so our target market is Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. So we are providing travel guides for more um, popular destinations, but also lesser known destinations in Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're targeting Australian millennial travelers mm-hmm. uh, for our MVP. Um, and why? I guess because um, Australians love travel. It's just a really, it's a really good travel market for us to test this idea, to test if this is going to work. Definitely. Uh, and Southeast Asia is just a really interesting market because it's, it's just your sort of original backpacker market it's just 
people from all over the world come there. So if our guides do well, it's, um, it makes sense for us to target Southeast Asia now as well, because um, I guess, for example, if we would do travel guides in Europe, mm -hmm. we have to go one layer deeper. So now we can keep the themes quite general, as mm -hmm. in adventure, local food, uh, more outdoor. Whereas in Europe, we have to go um, more themed, for example, electronic music or right. um, festivals. Right. Or, um, because um, Southeast Asia is, the countries are different from uh, the experience is, the experience is different from different. Where you're, what you're used to, from yeah. like Western cultures. So the, the guides are different, it's a different offer. Right, because yeah. they're already kind of immersed in a different culture, which is kind of a shock to the system enough. That exactly. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And then um, in terms of the influences, who are you focusing on from the influence? Is there a way that you're categorizing that as well? We are definitely targeting... Um, not your bikini Instagram <laughs> model. <laughs> okay. It has to be real passionate people who would love to inspire others to travel. Mm -hmm. um, they also need to be decent photographers. So um, yep. it's, you know, we have a, a mixture at the moment of professional photographers or professional writers, but yep. you sort of have to do both these days a little bit yep. to um, to make it happen in the travel content industry. And you're going, uh, are you going Instagram over focusing on something like YouTube? Um, we are more targeting Instagram now. Okay. What was the, been, what's the choice behind that? The um, We are finding in our interviews that um, a lot of, especially like 18, 20 year olds mm -hmm. use Instagram for their inspiration. So they literally use a hashtag Malaysia yeah. or the travel influencer that'll come up and then they see sort of what they want to do in Malaysia. Mm. So Instagram is just a really powerful platform now to find travel inspiration. Mm. So we're just jumping on board. We're just making use of that. But it's not it doesn't mean that we're excluding YouTube because <laughs> that's a really interesting one as well. It's just again that focus. So Instagram yeah. is more a focus. No, I love that. that. And I just love love hearing about the reasons why you're focusing. And you bring up a really fascinating point there, and that's true and especially about um, I mean, I've done it with our influencer marketing, and here's a tip for anybody who is marketing out there. If you've got a certain area, very specific area that you're marketing in, literally just it's like if you've got a hairdresser in Mount Lawley type in Mount Lawley into your Instagram, chuck on the place or on the hashtag, and you're gonna see people who have used the hashtag or tagged themselves in the place with the geolocation, mm. look at the top nine posts, send them a message, or if they've got an email for business collaborations and go, hey, anytime you want your hair cut for free, come in to see us and we'll do it. Totally. Uh, and then you just take a photo, we'll try to post for it. Yep. And specifically, you may not get the person who's got 104,000 followers or a million followers because they'll be like, nah, well, yeah, a haircut and $1,000 would be nice. But if you're targeting the micro-influencers of the two, three, four, five thousand 5,000 followers, this may not be what's going on with air guides. You might need bigger numbers. But uh, for local businesses and things like that, that's hugely effective mm. uh, in terms of your reaching because most of those followers in that two three four five thousand are going to be located in and around the same area as you because that's going to be where they've built their market so to speak yeah yeah so yeah. micro influence is it's such an interesting 
space and we're actually so we're obviously looking into influencer marketing a lot and there's not so much research out there yet but what we do know is micro influencers are super effective mm. because let's say if you have a million followers it's hard to keep that engagement going mm. with your followers whereas a micro influencer can talk more directly yeah. um, with their audience so for like a local hairdresser they probably will get you a lot of new customers. Yeah. Most and likely. And also in that micro range, they're, they're responding to more comments, right? Like they're talking to their audience rather yeah. than, yeah, yeah, if you've got over a million, maybe you respond to the three or four famous people that commented on your photo. Yeah. Uh, that's what you see more and more now, right? Whereas yeah. the micro influencers are actually talking to their followers as well. Yeah, it's like uh, your friend. Yeah. It's advice from your friend that you trust. Yeah, I really like that. Also, just to take it back to what we were talking about before about milestones. Now, you're talking about the things that you're focusing on here. Yes. Uh, we've already talked about one massive pivot, but let's talk yeah. about minor pivots now, I guess. Is uh, what does it take then in terms of milestones for you to change focus from here? I guess that we um, need to prove we can partner with travel influencers. So mm -hmm. we, we think that there is a need for them to make new ways of money. Mm. Uh, so obviously that is a, a big one. How, with how many travel influencers can we partner and what's the quality there? Are they- Is there a number set for that at the moment? Um, yeah, the goal is to partner together with 100 travel influencers for, um, so- By the a plus, deadline? The Plus 8 program has okay. a demo day in uh, end of September. Ah. So um, my target is set at 100 travel influencers. So I still have, a lot of work to do. <laughs> uh, we're getting there though. I'm now uh, 30 travel interests oh, wow. are locked in. Okay. And this is with sort of minor efforts. That's so good. I'm waiting for our website to go live, which should happen any minute, people, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, that is a big goal, that we have a good quality um, range of, of travel guides and that we can really test uh, our MVP um, and then it will be Australian travelers going to Southeast Asia. So we're just going to hit universities here and mm -hmm. in Melbourne. Um, we are going to um, see if we can get pre-registrations for the guides. So those sort of things are, yeah, need to show us, is this going to work? Is there a need for it? Is there a way to sell these guides? Um, do the guides need to become more personal or are they, can there be more general themes? Is that enough for people to trust them? Or are they after curated guides for them specifically? And what's the best way that you kind of get that direct feedback? I, um, that will be user interviews again. Yeah, yeah so uh, my goal is definitely to get a lot of pre-registrations for the guides. Mm -hmm. And I want people to just test the guides that they go to Southeast Asia, test the guides. And then um, I would love to interview them and ask, did that work for you? What's, what were you happy with? What were you not happy with? Is this something that you would use again or are you after more? So that personal interviews, I think, is really important to see if this is working. Yeah, that's really good. And I like what you talked about there really briefly about um, pre-registrations. Uh, it's this idea that uh, has kind of been brought up in a book called Oversubscribed by Daniel Priestley before, which is this idea of marketing for signals, not sales. Mm. Uh, it's about getting to this point where it's like, you know, how many people could we handle if in this campaign, like what's our capacity for in this campaign? Yep. And once you've got that number, you oversubscribe that with 
strongly signaled interest. So like five times strongly signaled interest. So if you go, well, we can deal with 100 customers at the moment, you aim to get 500 uh, pre-registrations. And then so, so at the end of the day, you can go back to those uh, 500 people and say, listen, unfortunately, we've been oversubscribed. Uh, we mm. don't have enough uh, we don't have enough capacity to serve all of you. We're yeah. happy to put you on a waiting list so you can go as soon as possible next. But yeah. these are the 100 people that we've got. The example that they gave was an investment strategy that happened just after the dot-com collapse where uh, the person in question was doing a startup. He wanted. He said he wanted to raise 200000 uh to be able to do get the runway that he needed to test his hypothesis. But nobody was giving out capital at the time and I don't know if I had 200,000 is right it might have been 2 million I'm not sure but whatever it was it seemed unlikely and then he went around to close to 100 investors uh, and said listen you know this is what I need but I he did his pitch impressed them with his pitch and then said uh, I'm I, I won't take investment from you today but I want to know if you're interested and th- theoretically for how much very smart and so when he went around, he'd already booked in, say, $400,000 worth of investment and went, listen, uh, what I, I've, I've got too many people who want in on this. I don't, I'm not going to take more than $200,000. I'm only going to take 200000 So you can either do your full allotment or you can make space for another investor to come in. Yep. Nobody made space for other investors. If anything, they were like going doubling down and saying, no, look, I'll put twice as much in. Yeah. I, want, I want my fair share of this. I want my piece. It's creating that sense of exclusivity. Yeah. With- both for the consumers with the waiting list, like it's just cool to be on a waiting list. It just mm. creates that sense of FOMO. Actually, FOMO was a big one that came out of San Francisco as well for both customers and um, investors. If you can create FOMO there, you're doing really well mm. because investors don't want to feel like they missed out. So that's exactly that what he achieved there and got them to double their their investment that's really cool (laughs) has there been uh, a case of anybody that you've managed to stay in touch with uh, in terms of from Silicon Valley I know that's not the aim of those relationships is to stay in touch it's a poor use of words but has there anybody that you've been able to get further advice from or further contact with yep definitely so we've chucked them all in a we were definitely advised by the accelerator by this as well to you know manage your relations it's so crucial and Mm. You've met such amazing people, so it would be ways to um, not sometimes get in touch with them again and get their feedback maybe again if they're nice enough. Um, so we've we've got a big list of people that we have more warmer relationships with and that we can still ask for advice. And um, so, the, for example, the hotel tonight, mm-hmm. CFO, he gave us new feedback on the new model. Wow. Really, again, invaluable feedback. And... Um, just yeah still again i can't i can't believe that such a interesting person such a well achieved person takes the time to give us advice like a pre-revenue startup from perth (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's also it's also just huge i guess from the the point of view of having somebody that has that and i you know i don't know the guy and i'm and this isn't a compliment it's not a slight but having that robotic number crunching ability in your brain to just be literally like, uh, you want to get to how much? Uh, You want to get to a million in a year? Okay, well, here's so month by month, week by week, day by day, 
price of the sale and just the literal yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's exactly how he thinks for example so he you literally can see the engines in his brain yeah. turn around when you say something and you're already like oh shit 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 should have <laughs> because he just goes 10 times faster than you so he he knows our business model already better than we do oh i wish i had changed. that ability me too <laughs> that's definitely not my strong suit <laughs> Um, uh, it's so valuable though and yes. great that you've got a relationship with that person so yeah um, and with a few others as well yes. in San Francisco yeah yeah so what uh, what are some of the um, key things that you do because we talk yep. I've talked about networking a lot I've talked about um, how to attract business mentors a lot on the site and things like that but I guess uh, what it all boils down to really is relationships um, and actually friendships and actually you know having um, something that means more than a network. We might call it a network, but uh, at the end of the day, nobody's g- sticking their neck out for somebody in their network. They're mm. sticking their neck out for somebody that they've got a relationship with. Yeah. So, yeah. what have you found things? And you know, this this may seem like a manipulative question, but I, I, I what I want is actually the the. I know that the story that I'll get is something genuine and authentic. Are there things that you've done that have brought you closer together with professional relationships? Are there things that you do to, to, to become closer with somebody that you have a professional relationship with? Uh, so partnerships are my gem. I love partnerships. Great. So I see relationships almost as partnerships. So I think one of the best things that you can do is really try to be yourself because um, people are going to like you because of you, not because you're like a fake version of yourself. So be mm. you and uh, let shine through what you're passionate about. So in our case, travel, we are, it's a really crazy industry, but it's a small one and it's a really passionate one. So mm. we are lucky that people in the travel industry are really used to helping each other and are really willing to help others because they know it's such a tough industry mm. um, so we're definitely lucky with that but what I always try and what I did as well in um, in San Francisco with our relationships is um, at the end of conversation say can I do something for you and you might feel like who am I to, to mm. do something for such a, a person but you would be surprised by they rarely hear that mm. people always want to get something of them just for you to say can I do something for you even if it's just you know go to somewhere in Australia for them to to speak to somebody for to close that gap for example mm-hmm. um, is so valuable and they really appreciate it mm. so can you uh, um, that's sort of a nice example is that a real example of having a going somewhere to talk to somebody to close yeah. a gap yeah, yeah. so what? he had a few businesses around the world and uh-huh. um, he was like oh it would be awesome if you can just visit my Australian one and I just said hello um, and um, sort of help with some some com stuff there um, wow. and another one was um, where so this is um, somebody actually from Melbourne that helped us a lot also in a travel company and he um, sorry I do it again <laughs> sorry people it's okay. um, I um, I offered to him in exchange like I said so we have a lot of these experiences on our previous hostel website so can I um, and he was sort of in the business of working together with local travel agents in Asia so I uh, offered to put them in contact with some travel agents that I had been speaking to so that's something and it feels nice for me as well knowing I can do something back and it creates a really equal partnership almost and 
really sort of valuable relationships where those people feel like they can reach out to you as much mm. as you to them to help to mm. help each other yeah yeah I, that is golden um really really golden advice i mean yeah it's a, <laughs> what do you have to offer uh and sometimes it can be as simple as as geography <laughs> yes you have more to offer than you think yeah always yeah yes. i love that and that is a, a really cool example um I love the idea of also just having people over for, for dinner parties and things like that. Sometimes uh, that can be the, the absolute birthplace of uh, undying friendship and, and great partnerships as well. I know that Chris Nurse, who's somebody that I've had on the pod as well, is somebody that is always super generous with his hospitality and things like that. And it's, it's I think in those moments where we kind of get a chance to sit down and typically we'll always still end up talking about business a little bit but you get to unwind with somebody get to know somebody really better that just forges that friendship that goes i'm i'm really gonna stick my neck out for this person and go hard um and i just know that after what you you've done for uh in that specific instance of being able to visit and help out with comms in a, in a business in australia like that of course he's going to remember that forever well yeah and and like it was my absolute pleasure to do something back because he helped me too yeah and um it was nice to do it and now i feel like i can reach out to him again without feeling guilty for asking for help yeah Yeah. i love that and yeah that's the other thing is that typically speaking right if you're speaking to a mentor and all you're doing is take 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 that's going to have a a drain on you mentally because you're going to feel that guilt of like i'm not giving anything back here i'm just asking i'm just asking yeah I and it's, it's also a sense of empowerment, what I said before, because you speak to these people in San Francisco that are really achieved. They yeah. are doing really well, so you can feel maybe like you're, you're not there yet at all. So then if you can do something for them, it gives you a sense of empowerment hmm. in that sense too, that, you, that, that equality sort of thing. Yeah, I love that. Um, hey, I'm going to ask uh, one more question, then we're going to jump into the quick fire stuff uh, and get that all wrapped up. Um, <laughs> but the last question that I wanted to ask, or, or I guess a, a just topic to talk about a little bit quickly, is I think it's, it's borderline genius, this idea of uh, creating a business that aims to help influencers make money. Um, because it means that you partner with influencers and there's nobody more valuable to partner with than influencers because they have the attention of the audience. Yes, exactly. So it, they are a marketing engine. Yeah. Um, which is such a hard, that's probably the hardest job in if you want to do an online travel business. Good luck with your SEO. Yes, because you know? it's, an, it's a minefield out there, right? Yes, a real minefield. It's so hard to get any uh place in in that market so Mm. for us if we can nail that partnership with travel influencers if they start to really appreciate us Mm. we are in a pretty nice position to because they can help us with our marketing yeah because that i mean we just looked up um kentiki on the on the computer before uh or uh, sale croatia was the one that we looked up and that whole top 10 list on top of the four ads at the top is like juggernauts just mm. one after the other and it's like intimidating right to be yeah. up to be stepping into a market like that yeah. i love people who step up and say uh this is a two trillion dollar market 
if we can just get 1% of 2 trillion, it's like you don't even know how hard it is to get 1% of 2 trillion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because it's like it's 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 a beast, but this is a for a long time. Yeah. yeah. And this is just a different avenue into that. I mean, when I yeah. think about uh, other companies that make influencers money, I think about Twitch, I think about Google AdSense, I think about um, YouTube and 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 things like that. They're all relatively crummy. <laughs> Uh, small percentage of advertising type things and advertising and, and sponsorship dollars from advertising products seems to be the only other way. Are there any other businesses out there that you know that help influencers make money that you've gone, uh, that's a thing that we can model? Um, I know there's some, so for travel influencers, not really. Mm. Um, more like linking them up to some businesses yep. so that business can utilize their yeah. travel influencer network. For example, yes, those are there, but not consumer side. Mm-hmm. Um, Is there anything from any other sort of realm of influences that you've looked at or seen? I'm just trying to think. I'm racking my brain. I don't know in terms of food influences or gaming influences or things like that. It's like you. So there's a lot of companies now that use ambassadors. Mm-hmm. So um, that's another tip actually that I got from um, uh, somebody at my co-working space. To their holy grail was having an ambassador on board. So they're in. Um, yeah, they got like a freestyle soccer player mm-hmm. on board and um, so they're in in the soccer app um, uh, they're building something in the soccer um, industry and um, that's influences just did wonders for them so getting an ambassador on board so that's what Nike for example does as well mm-hmm. and he gave me a tip to um, for example because the influencer marketing is still so new and if you want to work together with an influencer you can see what other companies they've previously worked with and Mm -hmm. then contact those companies and ask if they can give some advice to if they were happy with that partnership yeah so that's that's a good way to sort of test the influencer another great kind of back to a method um you talked you know i remember early in this the chat i said how good it was to be looking at the negative reviews on other competitors websites and contacting them that's another great backdoor thing of like speak to the companies that have used that influencer and ask them what they thought Um, but what's different about yours that i love about yours is that you're telling the influencer make a product and we'll sell the product uh, or we'll be the marketplace for your product uh, to take care of that for you i i love that because it also gives them so much ownership over the thing right whereas usually when they're spruiking somebody else it's like maybe it's because they love it or maybe it's because they just love money but (laughs) if they're creating a product then of course they're going to stand behind it because they've they've built this product yeah we help them create something that is something that they already do anyway um, and what they love and I was also thinking Udemy is maybe another example yeah so Udemy is an education platform that Mm. gives Um, teachers in all sorts of fields if you feel like you can teach somebody something you can offer like a workshop on Udemy and you can set your own prices and stuff so we've definitely looked at Udemy's model Mm. and they're going really well and if people say but you know the the blogs are out there the YouTube videos are out there so why would I still pay for like a Udemy class well the facts are they're doing really really well yeah yeah that's fascinating people like to save time um, and that's where that's our advantage point. Mm. So the information, all, all the information is on the internet. It's just there's just not really good information delivery always. So that's what we can offer the travel influences. They give us the information, we do the delivery. Yeah, and so what is what is um, key in great information delivery? Um, so for travel, 
Um, so let's say for our travel guides, it's you have different phases. So you want your inspiration. Where am I going next? So you need access to that information. Then, mm. okay, what do I for the travel planning? Then I need that sort of information. And then on the trip, okay, now I want to go to a nice restaurant, but I want to see if they have vegetarian food. Um, okay, that's the information you need then. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that we can offer is the information is up to date. So yeah. we keep the travel influencers uh, responsible for their mm-hmm. travel guides. So um, it will work with a review system. So um, we can keep each other in check to make sure information is still relevant mm. and up to date. And that's awesome as well, I guess, because you know if you if you are vegetarian or if you're vegan, as a as a real simple example, if you're following a vegetarian or vegan influencer and they say like, "Here's my guide to Vietnam," you know that all the restaurants that they go to are going to be offering vegan or vegetarian food. Yeah. So it's like that it, just straight off the bat is like, well, like this person does all this stuff that I aspire to as well as their diet and everything like that. So why wouldn't I? I love it because, and I spoke to you about this uh, last time we spoke. To me, it's like a treasure map. You know that I actually use that. I stole it off you. <laughs> <laughs> so we know our new tagline is sort of following the footsteps of your favorite travelers. So it's literally like unlock their trip. They've done an amazing trip and you can follow in their footsteps. So uh, thank you. Don't know if uh, <laughs> people can tell right now, but I'm blushing. Uh, <laughs> my cheeks are turning red. I, I was, can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, really passionate about that when I talked to them. Yeah, the, the idea that. of following in influencers' footsteps. That's also a milestone, actually, to make you, to get our guys get you to travel. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I have not, for those listening, I have not done enough travel. So air guides, uh, they are... There you go. I'll take that mission. Um, Awesome. Awesome. Well, look, let's jump into some quick fire questions and then wrap it up for today. I've really appreciated this. It's been a fascinating talk um, and I'm sure that there's heaps that people are going to be able to extrapolate out of it. Um, First question, as always, you might not have a culture of uh, gifting books in your life, but um, that's okay. We can say recommending if not, but in either case, uh, which books or book or books have you recommended or gifted most often in your life and why? Ooh, so, okay, travel, um, definitely read Shantaram. So that's sort of a really known one on in the travel industry, but Shantaram is like an amazing, really thick book, really, um, it's all about India. Mm-hmm. So you probably will want to go to India after reading okay. Shantaram. How do you spell it? Uh, S H A N T A R A M. Shantaram. Awesome. Shantaram. Okay, cool. Awesome. Um, and I guess um, a book by Dan Norris that I read recently, um, Create or Hate. Pretty sure that's the title. Huh. It's an Australian. And he. Um, it's a short book, but it's just. It's a really powerful one. I felt so inspired to create. So he talks all about the notion of creation so he would be in a day would make sure that he creates more than that he consumes for example mm. really cool book that's really cool um and then um that's okay two's that's good it. two's enough yeah. unless you want that's another it. one no i was just thinking of a podcast no that's probably <laughs> it <laughs> i love um, recommending that's my and i love hearing books that i haven't heard before so oh good i'm definitely going to check both those out uh on top of that just because it's so uh, on theme, I will mention one of the best audiobooks that I've ever listened to. Um, this one is a recommendation from Tim Ferriss as well. But if you haven't ever heard of Tim Ferriss, then 
check him out, but also uh, Vagabonding by Ralph Potts is uh, an amazing book on travel that should have inspired me to travel more already, <laughs> um, but hasn't, but is definitely worth the listen. It's an amazing philosophy on travel and I guess responsible travel as well and traveling uh, cool. cheaply and, and uh, yeah, for longer. Yep. Um, cool. Awesome. Uh, my next question is, are there any brands or uh, companies that you would consider yourself irrationally loyal to? Uh, or that it would be it, that you feel like it's almost a part of your identity that you are mm, bad example, but a Nike person, or you know, uh, no, definitely not Nike person. <laughs> um, good question because I'm startup life. Uh, not shopping is not much uh, <laughs> of a thing in my life at the moment. Um, but I guess Tom's the Tom shoes. Yep. Because they were the first to do the one for one model and social ah. enterprise, so it was really loved their philosophy and mm. I was quite loyal with Tom's for a while though I've not bought shoes. Maybe <laughs> this is a great excuse. Thank you. Maybe there you go. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, Tom's is an awesome one. Um, I love Patagonia as well, yep. even though I don't have any money at the moment to do Patagonia, but <laughs> just they're just awesome. So sustainable as well and they've been around for so long and um, so they do like a whole um, secondhand line as well. So you can get secondhand oh, wow. Patagonia. So there's a really cool podcast about Patagonia. I will send it to you. Cool. Thank uh, you. Yeah. So that's probably my ultimate sort of travel brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and what do you yeah, think? I can't think of any other one. What do you think um, being a Patagonia person says about you? That you care about the planet. Mm. Yep. You are and a cool traveler. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the sort of traveler that goes to new destinations that doesn't just go, you know, mm. go to... Um, Similar looking hotels in different locations. Yeah, like yeah. a real explorer, a modern yeah. day explorer. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, that's really, really cool. Uh, the, the one that I have just uh, stumbled upon recently that I'll throw in my two cents as well. I mean, I've not stumbled upon it, but I've just realized that I am like I have undying loyalty to this company now and probably will forever is Audible. I just, Audible, I love you. <laughs> That's just all I want to say. I just listened to another audiobook recently. It's called uh, Own the Day, Own Your Life by Aubrey Marcus. Cannot recommend it enough. There's another book recommendation for you. Uh, it is a science-backed, like 300 clinical studies and scientific studies on how to basically biohack and optimize your day for more energy, more focus, more better sleep, better rest, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and I just was listening to it and I was like, this is glorious. What an incredible experience. But anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. So I want to ask, is there a purchase that you've made in the last 12 months for under $100 that has had the most positive impact on your life? Yes. Oh, and it, wow. Yes. Headspace. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, so how much is it? How much does it cost? Yeah, roughly. Um, so I'm still in a Dutch Apple shop, so I actually paid it in euros, I think. So I'm not quite, I think it was $60 a year or something yep, like that. Cool. Awesome. And then it just unlocks the whole library. And so you can do um, a free sort of 10 um, session meditation mm. to try it out and see if it works for you because it is always the same voice. Mm -hmm. uh, but I love that voice. It really works for me. And it's sort of, um, you can do different sort of, for example, if you want to do focus, so in this case, good focus to talk in the microphone. <laughs> um, sorry again. 
Uh, so you can do different sessions depending on what sort of mood you're in. You can do like a sort of quick fix when you're walking around and just just take a moment to breathe. And which sounds really obvious, but mm. I forget a lot to breathe. Mm. So I find it's a good reminder. So I, I try to use it every day. Yeah, awesome. Is there a particular times of day that you you get in the habit of using it? Or I, funny enough, I do it more in the evenings. I find meditation in the evenings nicer. Although I, I believe you should be doing it in the mornings, <laughs> but well, let's just rebel and do it in the evenings. I, I just find it nice to unwind, sort of coming home yeah. and sort of chill. It's a nice way to, I guess, uh, decompartmentalize your day and, and yep. kind of uh, make sure that the narrative is not too uh, sort of strong when you're trying to get to sleep. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. Similar yeah. thing, I guess, uh, to, to make Audible relevant. Um, similar, <laughs> it's been a similar thing to what I've been trying to do is that after about 9.30 at night, I try to get in the habit of sticking on the headphones and listening to Audible rather than watching TV uh, just because less blue light and... Mm. kind of just a, nice. a, a more mindful i guess activity uh yeah really nice uh okay are there any other um habits routines or rituals that you find yourself doing day to day that give you more energy more productivity uh help you focus better at work um i try to do um so this is also another mindful thing every day before i even open my computer, I write down my to-do list and I write down three things that I'm happy about, that I'm grateful for. Mm -hmm. And such a simple trick, but it really um, changes your your mindset. It really works. So I would, it's just a simple thing, but try it. It's, I find it working really well for me to do that. And is there anything you do in your kind of environmental setup uh, that prompts you to do the things like that that you know that you should do because sometimes I just find like so often we can be going about our day and, and get into it and we just forget to do the things that are good for us is yes. there anything that you put around just to remind you to make sure that you do it it's more like if I don't do it and I come home and I feel so chaotic and I regret that I didn't do it mm. and it's a small time investment that uh, will benefit you more in the long term. So just force yourself to to do it. Mm. Um, it's it's just beneficial and just you know if I don't take a break, for example, as well. If I eat my lunch in front of my computer, which I do a lot, mm. I just notice it the whole day, and I feel mm. like I'm actually less productive. Yeah. So just force yourself to to do it. You know, it's better for you. Um, just go grab a coffee, do some breathing, and be productive i love that <laughs> yeah and it's like law of diminishing returns right you can only stick at a computer for so long before That's you're it. actually like going We're not robots basically going backwards yes uh, yeah. <laughs> all right uh two maybe two final questions um yeah okay if you could have uh dinner uh with anybody uh any three people alive or dead um why who would they be and why or what would be your first question Ooh. Okay, number one is David Attenborough. Okay. And I've done this exercise before and I named him as well. And a week later, I'm not kidding you, I met him. Wow. I came across him so in you're a hoping cave that it happens in again? Malaysia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the last time, I was so starstruck, I literally couldn't speak. So I, would, <laughs> oh, wow. I wouldn't even mind anything asking him. I just want myself to ask one question just to be able to <laughs> just say what, how are you what would your dream question be i would just ask him if you look back on your life do you have 
just one piece of life advice what is your like sort of mantra in how to no that's stupid no it's not <laughs> <laughs> oh you judged it no i thought that was lovely one piece of advice if you look back on your life what what is the the the, the fundamental truth of it all yes yeah and he's he has the knowledge now so pass it on yeah and he would say something along the lines of well uh the most <laughs> the most important thing to remember uh no okay uh, is the other two people at the dinner who would they be um, I guess um, Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. I would okay. be interested to just to get one glimpse of how that man works, mm-hmm. and you know he's our sort of modern day genius. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd probably ask him what he thinks the world will look like in fifty years. Great question, especially the Elon Musk. Yeah, <laughs> and and a third one. Can a person be dead? Yes. Yeah. Michael Jackson. Can you sing oh, me a song? Wow. Oh, yeah, cool. Great question. Great person. <laughs> I love that. Uh, have you got a favorite Michael Jackson song? Um, hard question. Um, what would get you dancing right now? Oh, dancing. I was just thinking of a really sad one. <laughs> uh, what would get me dancing right now? Then it would be probably more like a Stevie Wonder song, actually. Oh, really? Okay. Superstition. Oh, wow. Nice. That's what I'm thinking of now. Very, very cool. Yeah. And final question for the day. Thank you so much for being here, Bibi. Pleasure. Uh, if you could put a message on a billboard anywhere in the world and have everybody see it or a load of people see it, what would you say and why? Be nice and get after it. Because mm. I think that's what I try to do in my life. <laughs> yeah. I think being nice is really underestimated. It will work in your favor and it's literally nice to do. And... Just get after it. Just do it. Don't think too much. Think a little bit, sure. And everything that you do should be, um, you know, it should be good. But get after it. Just do it. Don't don't question yourself. Don't question actions. Just get after it. Life is short. I love that. Fantastic. Uh, guys, um, this has been BB Jelly. <laughs> DJ Jelly on the mic. Jelly tuning out. <laughs> she has been uh, a, a wonderful guest. I'm sure you'll all agree. Uh, if you would like to stay in touch with Bibi or, or get in touch with her or find out what she's doing or follow Air Guides, uh, here are some of the ways that you can do that. Yes, just find me on LinkedIn, BB Jelly. <laughs> Jellama. <laughs> just listen back how you need to spell that. Or um, send me an email. I love to hear from you, especially if you love travel. Uh, it's bbibi at airguides.com. Always love to get in touch with people. Perfect. Thank you so much for being on the show, BB. And uh, until next time. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Adios, arrivederci, and good night. Doi.